welcome to EMS Improv Podcast, powered by GEMS. Today, I'm happy and lucky to be talking with Jonathan Alba, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Code 4 Emergency Services in Austin, Texas. Jonathan, I'd like to welcome you today and ask you how you're doing. I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How are you? I am very well, and I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity on, on kind of quick notice um, after we met a couple weeks ago to be able to talk with you and, and have you share your story with our listeners and talk about your business a little bit and some of the things that you're passionate about. So I'm really excited to hear and, and have our listeners uh, take a dive into and, and sit back and listen to what you have to offer and the kind of person that you are and how you like to grow organizations and people. I'm, I'm happy to share all that I know, and I just have to uh, take my hat off to you for the work that, that you do uh, in the first responder community, uh, which is how we met. Uh, really, really powerful work, and I'm excited to explore uh, our relationship further as well. All right, wonderful. So with, with that being said, um, and without further ado, you are the Chief Operating Officer at Code for Emergency Services. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do, and then let's dive into some of the stuff that you're really passionate about, communication, leadership, gestalt, psychology, culture, et cetera? <laughs> sure. So Code 4 was founded to be a turnkey uh, risk mitigation solution uh, for music festivals about six years ago. Uh, it was founded by Scott Davidson, our CEO, who I like to call the Michael Jordan of public safety. Um, today, we operate pri- and primarily in three industries, uh, entertainment, which includes the music festivals and, and live music. Government, uh, during the pandemic, we became our local government's 911, helping them solve countless uh, issues and, and fun challenges. And then film, uh, we pioneered a turnkey uh, risk mitigation uh, solution to prevent COVID from getting on site and have expanded that into other health and safety offerings. So we're a one-stop shop. We're public safety experts and risk mitigation aficionados is how I like to describe Code 4. I like that very much. One of the things that you shared with me earlier in, in our conversations was um, something about a holistic approach to public uh, uh, safety at large scale mass gatherings. Yes. Um, that's important to you guys. It's, and it's evident in, in the clients that, that I know that you've had and that we're gonna, are gonna continue to grow. Can you talk a little bit about that or your philosophies about that uh, in medicine? Yes. So uh, Scott, um, the CEO, his background is in criminology, and that is a scientific approach to prevent crime. And so he applied that to music festival settings. And so on our badge, we have fire, EMS, law enforcement, and canine. And each one of those lines of service uh, are under our roof. And so when we go to a mass gathering, such as a music festival, we bring all those uh, entities together. So we, we break up silos and we ensure that our risk mitigation strategies um, are holistic. That means that EMS is communicating with law enforcement and law enforcement is communicating with fire. Uh, we are essentially communicators and liaisons. Uh, we have to ensure that our uh, Emergency action plans and medical plans are communicated and understood by the community members, um, key stakeholders, including the mayor, uh, fire captains, um, police chiefs. We, we work with everyone. We take a collaborative approach to public safety. Uh, so in a traditional setting, you might see you know, fire working in one area, um, police in another, and that can cause um, confusion. Uh, and that can also result in um, ultimately uh, tragedies uh, when when not done well. So uh, we take a holistic approach when it comes to public safety. Well, thank you for sharing that. And and for listeners that um, 
that know that private organizations often do that um, sometimes differently, if not better than um, paid for profit or, or uh, services that are community-based without the collaboration or the interconnectivity and the communication abilities, whether that includes radio communications or having uh, pre-event planning meetings and, and then post-event uh, um, evaluations. And, and I just from going over your website, I know that you guys do that, but can you let our listeners know, again, maybe a few uh, things of specificity that you guys do that I know you really do well, that'll afford the opportunity for collaboration and connecting and communicating well with those, uh, those parties that are gonna be engaged together that you guys help bring together at these events? Yeah, so Eric, you said the keyword planning. At our heart, we're planners uh and and managers so even before an event starts so a great example would be the imagine music festival which took place in atlanta which ultimately was canceled due to weather um we were planning that event for over a year um whether it be the the moody amphitheater which we helped open here in austin uh that was a, a sprint to plan and get them open uh, that was about a two month long process so we're doing all the planning on site emergency action plans communication plans also helping uh, our clients go through the permitting process, meaning working with the fire marshal or city officials to approve their site plans, um, medical plans, uh, all planning where we have our, our planning wizards uh, in-house. And so there's a, a key distinction as well. So the company was founded to, to be that turnkey solution. Uh, we also have our own in-house uh, team that delivers our emergency services. So on our staff, we have our own EMS, so paramedics and EMTs. We have our own private police force and our own private fire. So after we develop the plans, especially here in Texas, we then execute on them. So our medics are out in the field. Our law enforcement officers are out in the field and same with our fire. So not only do we plan, we also execute, which is a really dynamic value offer that we um, have for our clients. Thank you for saying that. You and I both are public information officers or have, have gone through the training and, and you went through a FEMA training. And um, in FEMA, the, the, the initial orientation course, they talk about the 95-5 uh, approach or how that's explained and or Pareto or uh, Deming might now, they, I think it's now 80-20. But um, do you understand what I'm talking about? And I know you know what I'm talking about, but uh, <laughs> yes. I, I think for, for a little bit more clarification for our listeners, 95% um, of the time, uh, we're planning, preparing, or waiting for something to happen. And about that 5% of the time, we're, we're actually called to respond or assist or intervene in our official capacities. And that can be broken down into some other aspects of what, what they're talking about. But with that being said, and you haven't gone through that, that FEMA education and other trainings, um, and talking about pulling people together, how important and you've mentioned planning and planning, 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 planning cannot be understated. How does, how does your organization provide uh, when, when we're sitting ready and not always having to engage or respond? How do you create um, the leadership and culture that promotes continued learning uh, and preparation, not to include the planning specifically? And then how, how do we hold members of our team accountable? Um, so that's, quite a lot of questions. So I'll break it down. <laughs> Leadership, culture, accountability, and communication. And you're a communication expert. And, and, and you may not want to say that, but you have significant schooling and education and communication and you're taking courses now and you're continuing to learn and grow in communication. I know that's a passion of yours. So I'd like you to kind of tell your story in that aspect and how it 
kind of ties into not only what you do, because it will, but leadership, culture, accountability, and things like that. Yeah, communication is uh, a core part of, of my life and philosophy. Um, I was literally hired because uh, Scott under, understands the importance of communication. It's central to what we do. Um, and it's not something that we've been skilled at as a company. And Scott's had to learn the hard way. And some of our team members have as well, just by being in, in really, really difficult, challenging situations. I like to tell the team that I just bring the theoretical background. I bring the unconscious to the conscious of, of what they're doing and so they can make different choices. Uh, so a little bit about me, I have a, a bachelor's in communication studies and a master's in communication studies. And my primary focus was on rhetoric, uh, training and development and organizational communication. Uh, so I, I taught communication, I've taught communication to a host of different uh, audiences from college students to professors, to entrepreneurs, to first responders. Um, I love it. It's what I do that energizes me. Uh, I knew there was something more though. Uh, communication borrows a lot from sociology, psychology, uh, communication and speech, management and business. And uh, there was just something missing in my education. And I, I knew that there was something going on under the hood in our minds, like something uh, propels us to communicate. And so I actually spent uh, a good portion of my time uh, researching and learning cognitive psychology and more importantly, how teams perform under pressure. Uh, so I ran uh, a psychology lab at the psychology lab at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, working under one of my academic heroes, uh, Art Markman. Um, and I got a real uh, a taste of what re research is like at a tier one institution. And more importantly, I was getting essentially another master's degree in cognitive psychology and understanding uh, human motivation, decision-making, and then teamwork. Uh, from there, I joined Dr. Art Markman to start a new vision at the IC Squared Institute, uh, where I was a researcher, uh, where we were looking into economic development, innovation, and entrepreneurship in smaller communities around the world. So I was traveling, traveling internationally, helping regions develop. And we talk about you know, leadership, collaboration, communication. Uh, it matters when it's on a regional level, uh, when your community's uh, economic vitality is on the line. So we were looking at it from a much, much larger perspective. So today, as I zoom into an organizational level, it's, it's a lot easier while still complex. Uh, it really comes down to, and it's pretty simple, core values, mission, vision, and how often are we communicating that? So I'll, I'll pause there. I know that was a lot uh, about me. Um, but communication, again, is central. It, we have to communicate um, constantly. And to think that I said I was going to pause and then I went on. So I'll stop there. I, I love that you, uh, you self-edit. I, I find myself doing the same thing. And uh, it, it's, it's exciting when, when those of us, and I, and I fully believe that from a psychology perspective, Gestalt perspective, cognitive psychology perspective, that we're Wi-Fi connected, that we're, we're as humans meant to be connected, that we have these mirror neurons for a reason whether they be positive or negative traits. And, and one of the things that you said to me that really resonates is bringing the unconscious to the conscious. And what I feel, and, I, and I'd like to hear your input and, and uh, our listeners as well, you know, that unconscious, that, that, that 95%, you know, if, if we're using uh, Pareto, uh, you know, his kind of rule that was developed like in the early 1900s before technology and, and science and things grew and changed and 
uh, connectivity on a different level of communication changed. Um, so then they changed it to the 80-20 rule. But that, with that being said, bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Um, so to me, that's bringing cognitive to an affective, to a, to a, to let's now, how do we translate what we need to do into how we do it? And those are the things that I'm intrigued to hear that you bring to the table and that you continue to work at. And you said that you came from uh, the macro scale and then you're now you're at the corporate level and you're trying to do that within your organization and continue to be successful. So bringing the unconscious to the conscious, how does that resonate with you more specifically? And what do you do if there's a pearl of wisdom that, or a trait or a specific skill set that you can utilize that you can share with without giving away too much of your organizational structure and, 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 and uh, what people hire you for, but um, sure. that you can do uh, and, and that somebody can take as an action oriented item and, and move forward with it. Well, first, I just want to say that uh, communication is everything is a lame answer. Uh, it really, um, there's so many, there's so much more that goes into being a, a well-rounded human. Communication is, is one just uh, core principle that I, I believe in. Um, bringing the unconscious to the conscious. So one is investing in learning. Uh, so here at Code4, we invest a lot into coaching. I do a lot of it with our employees. We also uh, send folks to the landmark form, which has been integral in Scott and I's development as leaders. Uh, so we offer that to our employees. Uh, we offer communication training, sales training. We work with a, with a team of world-class experts and coaches. Um, I'm also teaching at least once a week. Uh, we're bringing in PhDs in communication studies, psychology, uh, marketing to work with our folks. Uh, I come from academia, so office hours are the model, and it doesn't cost to talk to a professor. So uh, once my old professors and friends got wind of what we're doing, and a lot of them research in this space, they just want to hang out. I've got my former rhetoric professor coming just to hang out on Friday to chat. So um, we invest heavily in, in learning. And part of it is, uh, there's a great book called No Rules, Rules and Powerful, which is about the Netflix culture and this um, commitment to candor uh, about being honest with one another and providing meaningful feedback. And that can be really, really hard. So part of what we invest in also with learning is just creating a, a psychologically safe work environment. And that can be really, really challenging, Eric. I mean, coming from the first responder community, uh, and moving to a more, we'll call it corporate, we're really in a startup environment. It's very, very different than being on an ambulance or in a squad car or at a station. So there are new norms that folks have to learn. There are new tools. There's a great saying from my, our dear friend and one of my mentors, Sean Marr, the communication skills that got you here will literally prevent you from getting there. And so we have to identify the communication challenges that we all face and then map out a plan to gain those skills. And it really just starts with awareness. Most folks know how to communicate. Um, they just, most folks intuitively know how to communicate. We know how to connect with one another. Uh, so sometimes it's just bringing that uh, awareness to a different level or becoming aware of the habits that inhibit connecting with one another or being honest with one another. Wow, um, thank you. And, and, and when you say Sean Mars' name, um, a fantastic uh, individual and human that, that helped us connect. Uh, stop literally. wasting words. Read right. the book. Stop wasting words. It's one of Thank the you best for saying communication that. I books I have ever read. And I've read a crap ton. Oh, my stop, gosh. Stop, oh, my Lord. So stop wasting words. 
Um, actually, once I received it and read it, then I sent it to a friend because I, I want to share it uh, with, with so, people that are, that are doing things. Go ahead. So, Eric, may I tell a story? Please tell so a story. I was in uh, grad school at an organizational communication conference. This weird older man sat at our table. He had a baton with him. He was the only guy that I saw challenge uh, Dr. Stephen Beebe, who is the father of communication at Texas State University, president of the Communication Association. He's running a seminar on how to run meetings. And this guy at our table starts challenging him. And my jaw dropped. No one challenges this guy. And I, I, I have to know, I have to get to know this man who just did that. And so I spent about 40 minutes with Sean after the conference ended and he blew my mind. And it's been a life, uh, he'll, he'll, I hope, be in my life uh, till the day that I, I depart this earth. The, the wisdom that this man holds um, has literally transformed who I am as a leader and as a communicator. Uh, and he provides me with a philosophy when I coach others that it's about performance and behavior change. And it's not behavior change in the matter of months, it's in the matter of hours. How do we do things differently by the time we are done with this session? Uh, I love him dearly with all my heart and uh, he's an incredible, incredible human being. Um, and I know he'll be blushing and also um, <laughs> his humility will, will, uh, will pale in comparison to both of ours. Um, it's, it's interesting that you share that story because Sean and I met um, after one of his presentations at the Oklahoma Healthcare Summit um, several years ago. And then I've gone to several of, of his other trainings and it was, it was similar, you know, his presentation alone, people would challenge him and he would have the resolute responses for them and the action items. And, and one of the things that we talked about and you talked about that baton, um, there, there's something to me and it's all nuance and it is communication and how words matter and stop wasting words, which is their book. But to be connected versus to be engaged. And I think that's one of the things that organizational structure and leadership, and you talked about feedback and psychologically safe, um, to, for people to feel truly engaged. You know, I'm connected to an organization because I work for them. The people that work for me in EMS Improv, they're connected to me. But what I want them to be is truly engaged and to truly right. be socially involved. Um, where we can have feedback conversations that are honest and truthful and normalizing accountability sessions. You know, all too often when a manager, a boss, a CEO, um, a chief operating officer like yourself comes to an employee in the past, we, we kind of buckle, what did I do wrong? What do I need to do better? What, what, what are they seeing in me? You know, because we don't normalize accountability conversations. We don't normalize feedback. We don't even know how to do it well. And we don't train people well enough to do that. One of the things that I've heard you say uh, in, in communication, I love it, how, how you kind of lambasted yourself after you said that, um, aside from it being essential, is that if we can incorporate these techniques and we can bring in people that encourage engagement and not just connectivity so we don't have a disassociated uh, members because we all know what that does, toxic environments and bad bosses and no growth opportunities, you know, people are leaving and leaving in droves. So it comes down to culture leadership, accountability, and the collaboration and the connecting and the engagement that we share with people um, and, and our stories, getting to know them, knowing that we have failed. That's one of the things that we do is um, we celebrate failure because if I can own my failure and I'm the boss and you can own yours, um, I think maybe our employees uh, see us more human perspective and, and maybe they're more inclined to listen and, and to receive feedback when it may not be initially 
positive and, and to celebrate them as human beings, I think is very important. We're coming up, I, I know you have some time in which you have other obligations. Um, we're gonna continue the conversation with people like Sean Mayhar and uh, Robbie McHugh and the EMS Leadership Academy. Um, I don't want to uh, not take, well, Eric, continue. Er, go ahead. Eric, you, you said something really, really uh, important, which is about humility. Uh, and one of the things, a core reason that we're hired by our clients is to provide meaningful feedback to those in power. We speak truth to power. One of our core values is courage. And so we've become really, really skilled at doing that. Like sometimes we have to tell the police to stand down. Sometimes we have to tell the EMS agency that we're gonna do things differently. Um, and so that's a core skill of ours. And we've had to do that internally. Externally, it's easy for us. Internally, it's a little bit of a challenge. And then when we talk about learning from mistakes, uh, I learned a, a valuable lesson. I'm, I'm a young executive. I'm 34 years old. I was thrust into this position. We've gone from two employees to over 25 in the span of uh, about 14 months. We've grown really, really rapidly during uh, COVID. So now we're putting in systems and structures in, in place. And uh, I have to model the behavior that I want to see in others. And so one of the uh, issues that we notice is uh, in our HR uh, department, I was essentially serving as our HR director, um, doing a little bit of everything. And so we, we hired someone. Uh, it was our second choice. We didn't do our due diligence in our normal hiring process. And it turned out to just not be a good fit. And it was two weeks in and I actually had a coaching session and the, the, my coach really pulled it out of me and said, Jonathan, you know that you've got to let this person go. And in, in 15 minutes, right after that conversation, I knew it had to be done and, and did it. And then, you know, the next week in the staff meeting, I had to face our entire organization and tell them about the mistake that I made, that we made as leaders and bringing in someone that did not fit uh, our values, that was causing issues and that were clear. Uh, and that signified, I think, a shift for us. Uh, and we gained a lot of respect that day. And it taught me a really, really, really valuable lesson that it's just honesty. That's what we're seeking. That's what our employees are seeking is, is honesty and immediate feedback. Um, I can't tell you how much that matters. Um, and I sometimes forget that. But that was a key pivotal turning point for us as an organization, because there was a lot of, um, we had just let another director go a week before. Uh, there was a lot of fear in the air about people losing their position. You know, we're, we're changing, we're growing. And it was a chance to say, hey, we're all safe. Um, you know, these are the types of behaviors that we won't tolerate. And yes, we will let you go if you're taller, if, if you're exhibiting these behaviors. And so it was just a moment just to release the tension and to say, hey, I messed that up and that's on me. And I, 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 you have the full ability to call me out if you see me doing any of these things as well. So I just want to touch on that because it, it immediately came up. I almost got tears in my eyes as you're talking about it because it can be really, really hard to admit um, when you don't do something well or make a mistake. And we need that uh, in our team. Um, it matters. Lives are literally on the line. So, uh, you know, the humility, uh, the psychological safety, uh, it's really, really core and we're building it. We're not perfect at it and we work at it each and every day. I, I love that. And, you know, where we can have acceptance, even without agreement, when we have these conversations, because we are in a psychologically safe environment, we do have honest um, feedback and immediate feedback. And I think that's an amazing point. Um, honesty with immediate feedback and, and 
under in, in a structured environment. You know, we have systems and structures for a reason in employees and kids and our children and grandchildren and whomever we're dealing with, you know, we all put ourselves within some sort of guidelines or policies or more procedures and things can change. So with that, if we're setting ourselves up for success and, and you've got a hard stop coming up, setting ourselves up for success and use, utilizing some of these techniques and, and I think that you're going to have uh, positive leadership when you're training your employees, you're going to have a great culture because it can be open and honest. You're holding people accountable. They're holding themselves and one another accountable. And, and those things I think are, are, are quintessential when we're talking about law enforcement, fire, EMS, any business operation. Um, but since we both do uh, the public safety, you know, let's, we'll speak more to that. As you uh, get ready for your next uh, meeting, what is something a salient point or, or a feeling or a thought that you have that you would like to just share with our, our listeners, our viewers uh, before we sign off here? It's something that I learned in the landmark form is to get comfortable with how uh, inauthentic we are as human beings. And when we grasp that, it's easier to be authentic with others. So what we learned literally in the landmark form was to be authentic about how inauthentic we are. So um, literally you heard me do this when I said that communication is everything is a terrible answer. Uh, once we realize that ultimately as human beings, we just wanna look good um, having those, uh, you know, difficult conversations become really, really easy uh, when we realize that we've just been inauthentic with each other. Uh, and we take a moment to just be honest um, with one another and vulnerable. Uh, usually we are rewarded um, with those uh, interactions and they can be scary. We create a lot of stories in our minds about what the person's going to do or how they're going to react. And time and time again, I've been pleasantly surprised of how rewarding um, those conversations have been, uh, especially in being in the private industry now. Academia is a completely different world. So and having to make, it's like conflict is expected here. Uh, and it, it's healthy. It helps drive innovation in what we're doing. I mean, keep in mind, we've got people from EMS, law enforcement, entertainment, communication studies, academia, all in the same room. Uh, trying to make things happen. There's going to be conflict. So once we get comfortable again with how inauthentic we can be and we're just trying to look good, uh, it makes things a lot easier. Uh, easier said than done. Uh, and I help people with this. So um, it, if you've got tools or thoughts for me, I'd love to hear them. Or if you want to talk communication or teamwork or entrepreneurship, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm, I'm, I love, 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 love connecting with people. Jonathan, um one of the hallmarks of, of what, what we do with EMS leader or EMS improv and leadership uh, is the vulnerability piece and the power of yes. And where we have acceptance, even without uh, agreement where creativity and collaboration uh, even with conflict can, can swell. So thank you for sharing that. Where can people get in touch with you? Uh, I know LinkedIn, but what other avenues can they get in touch with you? LinkedIn is a great, place. It's really the only social media platform I use. Uh, also, you can email me at Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at we are code for W-E-A-R-E-C-O-D-E, -E, the number four.com. Uh, we are code for. Um, and I'd be happy to, to chat with anyone. All right. I appreciate that. So on behalf of uh, Gems, this is the EMS Improv Podcast. And we have been with Jonathan Alba of the <clears throat> 
code for emergency services out of Austin, Texas. A lot of stuff to dive into uh, for our listeners. I'm grateful for your time. Jonathan, at this point, I'd like to say thank you and I look forward to continued conversations. And I'm so grateful that uh, through Sean that we had the opportunity to meet and connect and really start our opportunities to engage. Yes, thank you so much, Eric. I can't wait to see one of your workshops. Um, And thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Have a great day. Thank you.